Welcome to Pictures of a Pandemic, July 7, 2020. This is the fifth episode of American Baptist Home Mission Society's podcast, telling stories of the toll the coronavirus is taking on American Baptists and American Baptist organizations across the United States and Puerto Rico. I'm Susan Gottschall, Director of Communications, and since the launch of this podcast, I've spoken with pastors and others ministering in Queens, New York, Caguas, Puerto Rico, and two cities in New England. Today, I'm talking with the Reverend Douglas Avilas Bernal, Executive Minister of the Evergreen Association of American Baptist Churches in the state of Washington. Today, we're going to get a perspective on the pandemic on the West Coast. Reverend Avilas Bernal, tell me how COVID-19 is touching the churches and their surrounding communities in your region. Well, I'm glad to be here with you. And we, we were some of the first hit with this pandemic. The, the biggest uh, hub was in the same county as our regional offices. In, uh, in King County, Washington. And it went quickly from there on into limiting or gathering spaces, limiting when we could gather, where we could gather. And very quickly, we were down to no more than, than 10 people gathering. And less than two weeks after that, all gatherings were canceled. So our churches had to go from their regular life of worship and visiting and gathering to a completely different world within a month of, of, of this thing starting. And, and everything is too fast for church, but a month is the blink of an eye. So we were struggling to figure out just what to do, you know, much less all the other things that regularly happen, like offerings and visits and et cetera. So it was a very, very large hit to our churches. Definitely a difficult thing. So how are the churches doing today? I mean, so is, is Washington about to open up? You know, we're hearing a lot about states opening up now. So what, what how, has the, how has the process been during the last couple of months uh, adjusting to the virtual world? And how is that looking now as we're looking to move into... Um, reopening, as people are calling it. Mm. Well, <clears throat> I think the most difficult thing was that was for our smaller churches, because suddenly we had no gatherings, we had fewer offerings coming in, and needs for equipment and expertise to keep our gatherings going. So it's a very difficult thing for our smaller churches, you know. Uh, so. Uh, we had to we had to dip into our reserves to help some of our churches with with things like tripods and 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 a light and you know maybe some type of software to help them you know do what they're doing because it turns out that having your spouse hold your cell phone in their hand for for forty five minutes is not is not an easy thing to do 
you know, so, so we had a, so that, that was one, that was a very difficult thing for our churches to adjust to that. I mean, you know, we have pastors who had really no idea how to do that, how to edit a video, for example, or the, or the means to get someone to do it for them. So, and then we had to figure out how to, how to do visiting. What happens if someone's ill? Uh, how do we support the family? You know, those, those are very difficult questions for, for churches. And, and on top of that, we had other churches where <clears throat> most of their offering came in either by check or Sunday morning. So they had to figure out how to, how to I mean, we had a church that had people, they designated a house and people will go, call the person, put their offering in a Ziploc bag, and put it in front of the person's house, <clears throat> and then text them that they had done that, and then the person would open the door and pick it up. And and uh, <clears throat> so we had people driving to drop off their offerings with social with physical distancing. I mean, you know, it, their creativity was remarkable. I, I I thought, what an amazing thing for people to be willing to do. Absolutely. It's amazing. It was incredible. Yeah, I, but still, it was difficult. Sure, uh, no. Go ahead. Oh, yeah, so, I mean, the larger churches, of course, have more means than they could do otherwise. But, you know, we have churches, for example, we have senior citizens who, who now had to figure out how to get their check mail when they can't even go outside their own house. You know, and it was it was a, a serious adjustment. So what comes to mind for me is, well, so how did that affect the region? So it seems to me that churches must have been wanting to hear from um, needing technological support. Did you have, do you have that kind of support to give them? And how did that affect, you know, your ministry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, our region is, is very spread out geographically. So we we were we were already ahead of the curve in using internet stuff to communicate with each other. So that was helpful because we are a little bit more accustomed to that. Where it was most difficult for us is was in the teaching. So we have a very part-time person that does our media. But she was just flooded. You know, she was just flooded with needs and how do I do this? How do I do that? How do I posted how do i save it where do you know so she was just so we had to create uh sort of as you know on the go resources for churches you know we developing step-by-step things on how to do things updating them all the time on what to do uh uh when when this thing zoom bombing started happening we had to teach a church how to put passwords into their how to create a waiting room for their Zoom meetings, so that, you know, et cetera, et cetera. So, so we were flooded with that. And for a while, I mean, for a while, the regional office, and to a certain point now, we're working harder than we were before, you know, uh, because uh, the, the needs are, it's a whole lot of new needs. And, you know, so we created a resource page in our website. We got all the pastors connected. We meet with the pastors every other week, uh, et cetera. But, it's an ongoing thing. So yeah, we have a media person. That's great. 
Have you found, do you find that there's, uh, there are any, um, I think they've been called internet deserts, places where people don't have, uh, like, I've heard in, in, you know, there are places where inner city and rural places where there are children who should, you know, who should be accessing online education and they can't because they don't have uh, internet connection. Do you have any of those kinds of situations happening there? We, we're geographically fortunate in that we're, over 90% of our churches are in Seattle, uh, San Francisco, uh, the Bay Area, San Francisco, Oakland, you know, Berkeley, uh, Denver, Salt Lake City. So, so we haven't necessarily had that. We have, there have been the smaller needs, but the churches have supplied those needs. I see. You know. So what about, um, you know, I, I spoke with a pastor of a church in Queens where there was a large immigrant population, a lot of people in the essential worker um, p- positions um, where they lost their jobs. Well, no, not, I'm sorry, not those. Um, those who were in service jobs, I mean, um, who had to work. And... Um, there was a lot of um, um, spread of the virus. Have you found any of that, any those kinds of situations in your churches, in your communities? Mm-hmm. We have had our, we have had that mostly in our African American churches. You know where where people have lost many. You know our our own office manager lost her her several couple family members to covid and uh, so we have that the our burmese churches here the or people from burma churches they they work in that type of industry and that they've been the difference i think has been that that remarkably a lot of them work in the back of the house you know in the kitchens and etc and and that has been thankfully has been helpful because they haven't been having direct contact with people. But, yeah. When we talked earlier, you were talking about um, um, the, 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 you called it a Christian question Uh about um, how um, independence or freedom um, personal freedom comes into play with the, I guess, it's the Christian ideal of taking care of the other. I think that's really interesting, and I, I'd love to hear you talk about that more now. Yeah, so it's it's sort of like that saying about principles, you know, that, that principles uh, don't really matter unless until they're inconvenient. You know, and, and that's what we're seeing now in our society and our churches. You know, we, we follow Christ and speak a, a lot of the least of these, you know, whatever they may be in whatever situation you are. And this situation now has pitted our understanding of American freedom with our self-professed following of Christ, you know, which Christ always calls us to love and care for the the ones that are destitute or the ones that are not cared for or the ones that are ostracized by society. So in this case, then, 
doing the, the, the requirements of not gathering and wearing a mask and etc. They're not for us. They're for the other. They're, we have to do this for people we don't even care about. Not necessarily in a malicious way, but because we don't know them. So there's no emotional investment, right? So, so if something happens to them, we might feel bad, but not, right? But that's why we ought to do this. So we have people saying that, that I'm, my, I'm not going to, why should I curtail my freedom for someone I don't even know, for this illness that doesn't even exist or something that has a 2% mortality rate? You know, if 98, 99% of the people are fine, then why should I even care? But what we are saying is that the, this is where the Christian question lives, right? So it's, it's you're wearing a mask could help someone not be sent to the hospital. And you're wearing a mask, even if, if you're not the one who has contracted it or has it, but just the visual of it to say, I support this for you. You know, it's important, but we're running up against the question of freedom. You know, people are saying, well, I should be free to do whatever I want. And then our response is, not if you're a Christian. If you're a Christian, you're not free to do whatever you want. If you're a Christian, you're free to choose to love. And sometimes that includes limiting your own personal freedom for the sake of someone you don't even know. And maybe, as Jesus tells us, someone you hate. And, and that's, that's been a difficult question. But, you know, for example, we have, we have this split between the, the Western Washington and Eastern Washington. And, and, and sometimes people in Eastern Washington are saying things like, how ironic it is that just as we're coming up to the 4th of July, we are being asked not to breathe freely because the governor of the state has just said that everyone has to wear a mask when they cannot keep enough social distancing. You know, and, and, uh, and that's a complete misunderstanding of how we care for each other in a Christian perspective. You know, so, so what we're saying then is, as a, well, not we, me personally, this is my own personal understanding now. As a Christian, we are not free to do whatever we want. We're free to love profoundly. And that means that we have to, at times, willfully limit our freedom for the sake of people that we don't know, people we hate, people we dislike, people we disagree. And as Jesus says, anyone would love those that love them. So, yeah, include them too. Something like that. I love that. I like that phrase, love profoundly. Hmm. That's a, just a, a lovely phrase. Um, so I wonder, as you look around the churches in your region and their surrounding communities, what are the needs that you see there? Um, that that have needs that are a direct result of the pandemic. Yeah. So the most obvious one, and I think that's across the country, is that that people are unable to give much as they did before. Sometimes it's sometimes it's because they just cannot physically be there. Sometimes it's a habit thing, but sometimes it's that you just don't have work, or you have the uncertainty that though you have work now, you might not have work later, and and understandably one of the first things to be cut out is is giving to the church mm. you know and 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 so that that's that's 
that's one of the biggest difficulties. But at the same time, the church's responsibilities continue, you know, to their pastor, to the property. Maintenance still needs to happen. Uh, things outside will still grow uh, in plants and things. So, so, so that's, that's a bigger difficulty we're finding. How do we sustain the church in the midst of what's happening, especially when it looks like instead of keeping going, instead of things getting better, we're going to take several steps back now as things open up or cases going up and, and things getting bad again. You know, how do we, can we really do a second wave of, you know, quarantine? Because we, in, in, for example, in Washington, we were coming up to, we were on, on level two of four on our reopening process. And some rural areas could even begin to think about level three, you know. So level two was really in essence that uh, outside restaurants could have outside spaces where people could eat and, and things like that. It looks like if cases keep rising, we're going to go back instead of going on to three and four. And how do we, how do we make people who are mad that they have to wear a mask for 10 minutes go back? You know, and, 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 and so I think this is where the church could come in, but it's tough because the church, in essence, has to almost go against the, super, against the superficial self-interest, you know, to say, no, we're not going to open because, we, because you matter, in essence. That's, um, and that's hard. Yeah, that's a conundrum, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, stay away because you matter. Yeah, stay away because you matter. Wow. That's, um, um, I think it's interesting what you said about how people um, don't, don't know about giving because they might have a job today, but they might not have a job tomorrow. I think um, that the pandemic, the virus has caused so much lack of stability. It feels like the Mm -hmm. ground is always moving under our feet. And we don't know, like you said, are you going to have a job tomorrow? What? And it's a new place to be, don't you think? Where mm-hmm. we can't count on anything, it feels like. Yeah, we have a pastor, for example. We have a pastor who works in, the, in an Amazon distribution center in the warehouse. So they found several people tested positive. So they sort of, they said to everybody, you could stay away and we'll pay you. But after a certain amount of time, they asked everyone to come back. Then someone else tested positive, but Amazon that second time said they were not going to stop working. So the pastor, you know, well, he said, well, I don't want to work in that under those conditions. So Amazon said, we're not going to fire you, but we're not going to pay you either. So you could stay away, but you're not going to be paid. And you, you could come back after this amount of time, of course, and your job's not going, but... You know, these, these, are, these are choices that, that people are having to make now. You know, do I risk? And the difficulty, of course, is that though the mortality rate is very small, that people, people could still be affected seriously. And, and those are, could be weeks in a hospital and yeah, months so- of recovery. 
the risk is small, but you never know which one of those risk groups you're going to fall into if you get this. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You never know. Yeah. 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 So that's the chance that you take. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that's, that's the difficulty, right? So how, and now as far as the church, how do, I think the worst thing a church could do is to tempt God by saying, we're going to gather because we have this understanding of freedom. And now it's your job, Jesus, to make sure nobody gets sick. You know, I, I, that is not, I think Jesus has an answer for that, you know, in, in, in the story of his temptations. That's, uh, that's quite a question. <laughs> that's, a, that's a topic for another podcast, right? <laughs> <laughs> yes. But that's, so, that's how, that's how I see it. In, yeah. 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 Um, so we need to, we need to come to a close, but I, I'd like to close by asking you, what is the one, what is the one most important thing you would want American Baptists to know about what's going on on the West coast, the Northwest coast mm-hmm. um, with the pandemic in the evergreen region? That it is difficult. We could not gather in the way that we wish and everybody has to make the tough choice between doing what you want and doing what maybe is better, maybe not. So anytime we have to choose uncertainty, it's a difficulty. So this is, I think, that we are really learning what it means to walk by faith. And, and uh, that keep us in your prayers as we walk into this uncertainty, uh, because we want to do it well. And stay away because you matter. I I think that's um, that's well said. Um, what also it makes me think of is that it it shows really that we are all in this together because that's mm-hmm. your experience on the West Coast. But I I'm guessing that would be an experience across the whole United States to the East Coast where I am. So. Um, you know, there are some commonalities about our human experience, and that's one of them. So um, I have I thank you so much for your time today. Um, we will keep you in our prayers, all of us. And, and, of course, I'm sure you'll keep us in yours. Absolutely. Thank you so much. For thank you. Chance.